the from page to screen. It's doing that thing when it doesn't ring again. And for me, it automatically answered the call. It did. I, ju- I just clicked call and then there was silence and it was only because I noticed my little piece of software had started recording. I'm like, I'm guessing Stu's on the other end. What is with Skype? I wonder why there's no ringtone anymore. Very strange. It's Microsoft for you. You know what they like to do. They break everything they touch. They do. And they break it so well. How the heck are you? Um, tired, but not too bad. You've been at work today? Yep. And how'd it go, other than tiring? Yeah, because I, I was busy, even though it was quite quiet. But I was busy. How are, your, uh, how are your customers, the ones I deal with, which obviously we work for different companies and stuff, but my God, they're just mean and horrible and they, have, they don't know how to communicate. Yeah, pretty much. It's like grunts and groans. It's like we've gone back to the caveman days again. <laughs> pretty much. What do you think's caused that? I, I like to think it's Netflix and touchscreens because nobody, nobody learns anything. You know, they choose to watch box sets. Of, you know, the only way is Essex or whatever, and they don't accidentally see documentaries where they can learn things. I think it's just down to the amount of negative uh, stuff that happens in society these days that it just rubs, rubs off so much with people that they're so sick. And then as soon as they get somebody who's trying to actually cheer them up, they take it in the complete wrong context and be absolute dicks. Do you think if we, you know, the sort of thing, if we walked into a, a bunch of these people and went, hey, how's everybody doing? They just look at you and think you're absolutely nuts rather than you're just a happy person. I would actually look at them and think they're absolutely nuts if somebody did that to me as well. It's so nice, uh, to be fair. It, it's a strange kind of reaction that you get from somebody. But w- when you try to help somebody, they still just don't realise that you're there to help. Yeah. And they think that you're there to hinder them. And it's just, it's an annoyance. But that's society for you. You just grit your teeth, get through it and just realise you're probably and hopefully don't have to speak to that arsehole again. <laughs> exactly. And you run home and just hide yourself in the movies that you love and the music that you enjoy and just forget about the outside world. That's what I do anyway. It's pretty much the reason why I walk to and from work. And I've always said to people and colleagues who I work with who see me walk to work or walk home going, or I nearly stopped to pick you up. And I'm thinking, yeah, I would have still declined to actually get into your car because this is my time. So leave me alone. So when you walk, I mean, how long does it take to walk to and from work? It's just over three miles. Okay. Um, so it takes me about 45 minutes. And do you listen to something while you do it or do you not have yes. headphones? You do. I always wear headphones when I'm out and about. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, um, if it's to and from work, it gives me the opportunity to catch up on podcasts because right. I have. I have two video game podcasts I listen to and two movie podcasts that I listen to. So um, it gives me a little bit of time to do that. And then obviously in between, if I've run out of podcasts, I just stick some music on. What are your recommended podcasts then? Give them, give them a shout out. I'm never shy about. Obviously, it used to be um, Kermode and Mio um, yeah. from Five Live. But obviously, they've got their own podcast now, which I, I do listen to them. Because I just, Mark Kermode is my favorite critic. I've always loved Mark Kermode. So... Um, I still listen to their new one. Um, but when uh, when that show ended, I was trying to find another movie podcast. Like I specifically wanted a podcast that was just based on films out that week, that they were reviewing films that week, because it's that old kind of thing. We grew up on film whatever year on BBC. That, that's what we grew up watching as movie fans. And it was to find out the new releases of the week and what they were like. So I was specifically looking for a podcast structured like that. And if I'm being completely honest, there's a lot of, no offence to people out there, but crap out there. There there is a lot of it. Trying to actually dig down deep into something like that was difficult. And then, because you read this magazine as well, and I've read this magazine, Empire Magazine. Um, Empire Podcast is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant because the way it's structured is they have a question from um, Twitter, then they have a guest, so they do an interview, and their interviews are just very well structured. Um, you can tell from the people who are actually getting interviewed that they really do like some of the questions that they actually really are back. And then they do movie news, and then they do another interview if they've got a second interview, and then some reviews. And the way that's structured is so nice, but they have such a, a bright, sort of like breezy kind of attitude. Yeah. They have jokes with each other. 
there, yes, there is swearing, but that's that's fine. I'm an adult. I think I can uh, actually cope with that now. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's just there, there. The way they connect and the way they do it, it's such a nice podcast to listen to. So I've been addicted to listen to the Empire podcast. That's my main movie one. And then obviously, Kermode Mio's Extra Takes. And video game one, there's one I listen to called The Giant Bombcast. I've been listening to absolute donkeys. Okay. And it's an American podcast. And it's just video game stuff. So I tend to, I think video game wise, I have the PlayStation IGN one. So beyond, I did have the Xbox one and I don't really play my Xbox much. So I got rid of that one, but I keep the PlayStation one. But I generally just look at the topic that they've got. And if it looks like it's an interesting one, I'll listen to it. If it's not, then I don't bother. But it is hard work to find a decent podcast. It is um, because people think it's easy and it's not. Honestly, it's not. To talk about something, a specific subject or a specific film, director, etc. is not easy to do. Um, and so, unfortunately, a lot of people do fall into that trap and they don't make their podcast interesting enough. Uh, again, no offense, but hmm. it's just the case. So you need to try and be slightly more engaging. If you have a host or a couple of people on the show, you have a give and take between each other and don't feel, don't sound very sterile and, and stuff. Try to find a, a gimmick, but one that will actually work and click rather than something that is just like, a jingle-esque kind of gimmick. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, it's a difficult thing to get right. And there are, there are some brilliant podcasts out there where they do get it right because they know how to create and structure one. I will periodically just go on to, because I listen to my podcast through iTunes, so I'll go on the iPad, iPod and just add a bunch. And I think if I add 10 new shows, I think I'm lucky if I keep one of them within like a month. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think it's obviously a taste thing because, you know, you might not like a show, a bit like films, where to me, a lot of the time it's the the person's accent. Um, I can't can't remember the word that this podcast host kept saying, but he kept saying the same word and it was as if he was using it as punctuation. And once you realise that, it's like when people go, erm, a lot that can get very annoying. And once you hear it, you can't unhear it. And then you go, right, I'm out. I'm out of that podcast. But, uh, but yeah, I, I struggle to find really, really good ones. And then usually when I do find a good one, it disappears. <laughs> they decide to just not podcast anymore, which isn't like, I get That's it. I get it. Well, I mean, it's like, it was sad when your show went. It was sad when the Bind Torture cast went. And whilst I do understand why, because like you said, it's not easy. It's time-consuming and it's that doesn't just mean it's time consuming whilst you're sitting having this conversation. You know, I mean, your show is just it was insane the amount of time that was put into preparing for that, watching God knows how many films. I don't know how you did that. So yeah, hats off to you, fair play. So it's like when you decided not to do it anymore, it's like I kind of get it because I don't think I I could watch that many films in in you know for that time period because it's not like I can add it to a list and watch it in six months you reviewed things the week they came out so you had a deadline to watch things I don't even know how you found the time to do all that how did you find the time to do all that I really don't don't know I I think (laughs) the worst week I think we ever had was something in the region of 18 films to review Yeah, and that's a, a Again, when you still put it in context that there is two of us, you still think, yikes, that's like nine films each that you've watched in a week. And you go, oh, nine films is not enough. Yeah, some of these films are not just simple 70, 80, 90 minute films. Some of them might be much longer than that. And then it's you concentrating on the film and things like that. It's nine films per person. So it, that, I think that was our worst week, 18 films in one week. Plus you've got to hold down a full-time job, and that's where the kicker comes in. You know, if you if your job was to do the podcast, you would manage nine films a week. It would be fine. You know, if you were Mark Kamold, for example, you'd be fine. But you've also got and so yeah. I, a, a full-time job to keep uh, to keep ticking over as well, and that's when it gets even more difficult, I think. Exactly. Exactly. So, so, how are you? Are you still missing out? I mean, you jump on here now and again, so you, you've you've got your toe in the podcasting water. But do you miss having your own show, or are you 
Are you sort of enjoying the break? No, I do miss it. I definitely do miss it because you, you know how passionate I am about film. Um, a, a lot of people in a way at work don't actually listen to me anymore because they still call me a miserable git when it comes <laughs> to films. And so it, it's understandable. It, it's an opinion. That's my opinion. That's how I thought about it. Think about it, Phil. Uh, but I, I definitely, definitely do miss it. And I'm never, I've never said I will never do it again. No. Because there is never, you can never say never. No, no. Um, right. There'll be a chance, there'll be an opportunity, or there'll be a time where I'll just go, you know what? I think I will actually give this a, a crack again. And I've always had sort of like little sort of like things in the back of my head of going, how would I structure it? Would I still ask Andy again if he fancies doing that? Or would I just do it on my own? Will I find somebody else? Will it be the same kind of um, structure as the the Monday movie show? Will I attempt to just do it in the same way I sort of do it on Twitter, where I just do my review in one tweet? Will it be like a bite-sized one? Will it be video-related, where I maybe post it on TikTok, where you've got like a three-minute video you can do now, so up to a three-minute review? There's, There's always been things and ways about how should I handle this that I did actually go backwards, so I'll never say never. Well, I will. Uh, I'm sure I'll see if you do decide to resurrect it and stuff. But I like having you on here now and again. You might be a miserable git, but you know what? Even when you're being miserable with movies, you're very entertaining with it, and that's the key. You know, I. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think some people can sound miserable and really fed up, but if you sound miserable but entertaining with it, then it yeah. it kind of works. Then so. Uh, so it's near enough October. Uh, Rob is not here because he's got a cold. So this is like the first podcast episode I've done for probably about two weeks now because Rob's been poorly. So uh, shall we go through our top 10 choices for September and then we can do yes. some other stuff afterwards because, you know, yep. that way we'll be on schedule, so to speak. I don't think next year I'm going to do something kind of like this. Because schedule-wise, it's a bit of a nightmare, isn't it? It's like, damn it, we've not done this month. We've done that month. We need to do this. We need to yeah. do that. It's very catch-up-y. But, uh, but I am enjoying the list and hearing what films you put out there. So, yeah, let's hear what 10 films you've got for September. What you got? And that's the whole, that's the whole thing about doing this. This is a one-off thing. Mm. So um, we're yeah. obviously not going to do it again for at least maybe if we're still podcasting 10 years down the line, we might revisit it back there yeah. um, in 10 years' time just to see if anything has changed. But that, that's the whole point of doing a list like this. It's a rare one-off thing. It certainly is. Um, so I'm starting off with my first film, and I'm not going to spend too much time on them because I sort of like strategically did this month to where I won't be talking about them a lot. Um, so that's what I thought I would actually do with September because from October onwards, there are some huge hitters in those months. So I thought, you know what, I'll have one month where it's a little bit more slightly subdued. So um, going all the way back to 1922, it is the probably the first horror film that showed me the different worlds of horror. It's Nosferatu. Yeah. It's F.W. Mono's Nosferatu. It still holds the test of time today. And it's still creepy. Max von Schleck, um, that, that story, he was a ballet dancer. He never acted in his life. He just did ballet. He kept in character throughout the entirety of the shoot of uh, Nosferatu, which lasted three months, which was unheard of back in 1922. Nobody saw him out of character, so you could pretty much see he was the first character actor. But it it is creepy now, and if you want to watch something that will creep the hell out of you, then 1922's Nosferatu. I think the first time I saw Nosferatu was actually a film about Nosferatu, Shadow of the Vampire with Willem Dafoe. I saw yep. that first and then ended up seeing the actual Nosferatu after that. So watched it in a weird order. Yep. Um, and then next up is, um, as a kid, I was obsessed with anime, anime and manga. Um, I absolutely loved it um, because it was sort of like uh, an encapsulation of Japanese culture. It was a culture we didn't have in the UK. And yes, obviously over the years, we've had Chinese and Japanese and loads of different cultures sort of like bleed into our zeitgeist, but it, it is just a culture we never saw. And one of the Japanese films that stands still out is, uh, is Akira. Yeah. Katsuhiro Onomus, um, Akira. It's just visually beautiful. 
it's very hard to watch, but it's the kind of thing that if you're into Cronenbergian body horror kind of films, it's that in animated form. It's brutal. It's brilliantly um, constructed. It's beautiful to look at. It's trying to get a live action remake. It yeah. will never come off the ground because how do you turn a key into a live action film? It's good. Yeah, they've been trying to get that off the ground for quite a few years, I think, haven't they? Yeah. So it, it, it's brutal, brutal to watch. Um, it says a lot about culture in the 80s, um, especially Japanese culture, but Again, if it is that you want to see important manga films, Akira is definitely in the 10 films of the most important manga movies to watch. So um, I had I ha- included in my list somewhere. So it is Akira. It's my second choice. Um, third one, not spending much time on it. It's an obvious choice and surprising to put it in September where you think I will put it in October, but it is Night of the Living Day. Oh, great film. Yep, the original one, I'm so, guessing, not the 1990 yeah. Tom Savini one. Yep. The 68. Um, it, it's such a, such important film, the Georgia Romero film. It, it's such an important film uh, to horror films. Um, it, it's Obviously, it wasn't the first zombie film. Um, there was a zombie film in the 1930s. Yeah. Um, so it definitely wasn't the first zombie film, but it was the kind of, it was the zombie film that absolutely sparked a genre. And when a film sparks a genre, then it shows you how important it is, especially a genre that sticks. So it's a film where it starts a genre, but that genre just doesn't have traction, then it will never be in people's minds. But when it starts a a genre and that genre is still fully explored today, then you know it's an important film. Spoiler, that may or may not that may or may not get mentioned in my December list. (laughs) Possibly. It might. <laughs> possibly, yeah. possibly. Um, and then next up, this might actually surprise you, but I love this film. It's a guilty pleasure film, Galaxy Quest. Okay, yep. I love Galaxy Quest. It's it's such a brilliant film. The cast, um, Tim Allen and Sigourney Weaver, and Alan Rickman and Sam Rockwell, um, just just to name a few, they all gel together. It is just like. Star Trek for non-Star Trek fans, but for fans of Star Trek as well. It, it's just genius. It's such a funny film as well. Um, and it does have heart to it. So I'm mixing that together. It came out in 1999, but I love um, love Galaxy Quest. It's such a funny, geniusly well-executed film. I've only ever seen that once. It was when it came out in the video store. And uh, obviously I got a copy of it because I was working there and running it and whatnot. But I've not revisited it since. But I should. It holds up the test of time still. Yeah. It's just everybody just bounces off each other brilliantly. You know you've got a good cast if people just do uh, do that. Um, sort of like the modern remake of Galaxy Quest probably is Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, that, that's okay. probably the, the spiritual successor to it. But go back and watch Galaxy Quest for 99. Um, and then number five is Robert Eggers' directorial debut, The Witch, or The Vavitch, as um, yep. people look at it. <laughs> Creepy film. He put his name on the map, Robert Eggers, with uh, The Witch. Um, it's full of atmosphere, absolutely soaked and drenched in atmosphere. Everybody brings on their ear game with um, with The Witch. Um, if you want to watch something creepy in the month of um, October, something that crawls under your skin and sticks with you, especially even just the last 15 minutes of The Witch. Um, it's just definitely worth a watch. So I had to include The Witch in my list somewhere. I know that Neil Johnson's a fan of The Goat. What's The Goat called in that? It's, it's got a, Black Phillip. That's the one, yeah. Yeah, he's a huge fan of that. Yeah, and what do you expect? Is it when, a, <laughs> when an animal just absolutely steals the show when it's on, um, on screen, then, yeah, it, it's important. So Black Phillip's awesome. It's a bit like the, C- yeah. the CGI cat in uh, Pinocchio. That was my favourite character in the entire movie. It was the CGI cat. So, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know what that says about the rest of the film, but the cat was great. I've yet to see. Um, my guess is you're talking about the Pinocchio. The Tom Hanks one. Yeah. 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 I've have, I have yet to see it. It's okay. Um, you, you know, you come out of it and you go, eh, it's all right, next. And then, and then you move on to something else. 
it's not on my list to see. And it's by the time I'll get to it, Guillermo del Toro's stop motion porno could all be released on Netflix. So yeah. watch that one uh, first, I suspect. Oh God, definitely, yes. <laughs> Uh, next up is an animated film from 2018. It's Mirai. Um, it's directed by Mamoru Hosada, who's got a new film out next month in cinemas. Um, and uh, he also directed Bell, which is a film that's on my list to see this year. Um, it's a beautiful film. It's it sort of like got tinges of a Studio Ghibli film, but it's not a Studio Ghibli film. It's just about a, a little boy who encounters a magical garden enables them to travel through time and re- meet relatives from different eras. So, um, and then he's accosted by one of these relatives who actually tries to help him um, grow up. And it's such a beautiful film. It's a PG. Um, it's perfect for young kids. They'll learn a lot from the film itself. Um, but it's it's such a beautifully animated film. Like for example, um, a studio who I absolutely adore, Cartoon Saloon. Yep. They're an Irish um, animated company who did Secret of Kells and Song of the Sea and Wolf Walkers and The Breadwinner. Um, they've got a new film coming out called My Father's Dragon. It's out in November and the trailer is online now. It dropped yesterday. Watch it. Watch the trailer. Look at the animation in that. Netflix is um, releasing it because I, um, Cartoon Saloon had me into trouble with their, their last film, um, Wolf Walkers, which went straight to Apple. Yeah. Plus, um, it didn't get much of a cinematic release, and they don't make money on their films. And so I'm hoping, I'm hoping for hope's sake that people watch this film. But look at the trailer for uh, My Father's Dragon. It's such a beautifully looking film. But Mirai is sort of like on the same kind of animation style. Right. Oh, I do recommend Mirai. And then still keeping with animation, 2010's How to Train Your Dragon. All right. Okay. Yep. that because it, I think. My, one of my favorite trilogies is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And then after the Lord of the Rings trilogy, once that finished, I was trying to find another set of films that actually each film definitely deserves to be, to be watched. And so the reboot of the Planet of the Apes franchise, those three films, I think they are fantastic as a, a collection. If you're looking for animated films, that is up there with Toy Story, or in my opinion, slightly better than Toy Story okay. is the Hedge Journey Dragon franchise. Each one of the films is brilliant in itself, but because how they grab hold of people, they should all be watched. The third one is outstanding. Um, and it obviously kicked off with How to Train Your Dragon. Uh, so it, it's a beautiful animated film. Definitely watch it. I think weren't most of them, or at least some of them Oscar nominated, do you think they deserve their nominations then? Obviously, you've seen the films and you love them. Yes. Right. Yeah, they, they, okay. they definitely do. Because they're that kind of animated film where it isn't one where they speak down to children, but isn't one where they patronise adults as well. Like, right. there's something in the film itself for everybody. And when it comes to an animated family film, you need to be able to do that. Yes, there are films that are specifically aged, um, specific age groups. So animated films that are rated to you, Obviously, they need to be very, very child centric, unless you're Studio Ghibli again with like. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when it comes to films like How to Train Your Dragon, if it spoke down to children and patronized them, it wouldn't have worked. And if it did the same with adults, it wouldn't have worked. But because it had that balance between stuff for adults and stuff for children, it worked really well because it was able to meld them together. Okay. Um, yep. And the next one, one that you'll definitely agree with me, Catherine Bigelow's Near Dark. Yes, a film I've not seen for a long, long time, and it is on my list of. Every time I see somebody mention it on Twitter, it's like, oh, I need to revisit that. And I've just never got around to revisiting it. But no, it's a great film. One of the best vampire films that's not even much of a vampire film. Yeah. Because uh, that, that's what's so good about it. It's a vampire film, sort of like in the undercurrent. But it is that kind of film where it is all about the characters and the group of people in it. And it just, again, everybody feeds off each other so well, especially uh, Bill Paxton in that movie. He is outstanding in the dark Bill Paxton Um, and Lance Henriksen as well. But it it is a dark and brooding kind of film. And you watch it now when it's got that grainy kind of look to it. And I think in a horror film where it has a, 
sort of like a smoke kind of grainy look to it. It adds something to it. Um, so it's definitely watch it. It Again. sort of gets overshadowed by the Lost Boys, doesn't it? Which came out, you yes. know, obviously the, the latter half of the eighties and stuff. But people tend to go on about the Lost Boys far more than they do about Near Dark, which is Lost Boys is great, but Near Dark is also great. Lost Boys is more of a playful vampire film. Mm. Near Dark is more of a serious dark vampire film, um, and there it, it could have gone the wrong direction where it was just all about the gore and stuff. And that's not what Knee Dark is. Nope. It definitely is not that. Um, and then moving on to a film where I absolutely adore Snowpiercer. Never seen I it. I've still to... not watched this thing. I've seen a couple of episodes of the TV series and enjoyed that, list. but I have not seen Snowpiercer film. on your list. I will. It's yeah. an amazing film. Absolutely amazing film. Yeah, I... Have you disappeared? It's, in my oh, opinion, Chris Evans' best film. Okay. Because um, yep. obviously he's in um, Snowpiercer, but it's, yeah, the connection's been a bit wobbly. But um, yeah, it's just a genius film. It, it's all about class and structure and just um, all set in one place, which is a train set in an icy near future. Um, it, it just tells you everything about different levels of society and how people are treated and it's such a dark film at times um such a brutal film at times but such an important film to watch it's just because it got such a bad release in the uk that's why i think once it was officially released people were just put off from watching it but definitely seek it out because i think nowadays a lot of people are if it's not out this month then you know, I don't need to watch it. They they try and keep on top of the current trends, and then but it, you know, so if it takes months or, or years or whatever for a film to come out, they don't really care about it because they're too busy watching whatever Marvel movie comes out this week or whatever franchise movie comes out this week, which is a shame. But so Snowpiercer is out in the UK now, is it? It's, it did get a release. Yeah. Good. Um. Finally. Yeah, um, I think you can find it on Amazon. I think Amazon Prime has it. Okay. That was the last place where I think I saw it. I shall find it. Um, And finally, is um, to end it off very dark. Very, very, (laughs) very, very dark and brutal. It's the kind of film that you might only ever get to see once or watch once. But it's the kind of film that's important to watch it. And it's Yorgos Lanthimos' Dog Tooth from 2009. Um, He's a very strange director, Yorgos Lanthimos, um, but he's, any time when he releases a film, um, like Apichak Pongorassical, I love Apichak Pongorassical's films because they're very meditative films. Um, Yorgos Lanthimos, he's a very interesting director, so I'm always intrigued as to what he does. And Dogtooth is just about a family where the father has such a sort of like grasp on the family that he refuses to tell them about the outside world. And it it's just the structure of this family in this sort of like locked compound of where they live. And it's such a, it's a very dark, brutal, brutal film at times. And so that's why it's not the kind of film where you just had a really bad day at work and you come back and go, Oh, I wonder what dog tooth. Yeah. You have to be in the specific kind of mood to watch a book. It's a rewarding film. I don't know if you might watch it more than once, but if you've never seen it, I highly recommend it. I think I I don't. I quite like films that I will just watch once. You know, I think the the, the sort of list of films that we do that next year, ten films every month, uh, films that we would just happily rewatch again and again and again. I, I'm glad every film's not like that because there's not enough time. Yeah. So you know, I've only seen Serbian film once. I may watch that again at some point in the future, but I'm I'm okay with having just watched it once. Yeah, I can say that I've watched it in Stampy Card because of that. Yeah, exactly. But that was a good list. There's a few that I've not seen, but uh, it's nice to see some classics. Also nice to see at least one in that list, which is Night of the Living Dead, that is also in my list as well. So not Hooray. a bad list at all. So, well, my 10 are 
some of them are, are films that everybody will know. Some of them they may not know. Um, I'd be curious to know how many you've seen. I'm guessing you've probably seen at least seven or eight of them. So, you know, keep score or whatever. Uh, so the first one is from 1990, and it's a it's a cop thriller by Sidney, Sidney Lumet, and it's called Q&A, starred Nick Nolte, Timothy Hutton, and Nick Nolte plays this really nasty, corrupt police officer who's just one of those, like a really grumpy-ass, dirty Harry without a magnum. And uh, yeah. and Timothy Hutton plays this sort of undercover copper who goes in to try and bring him down. I love the Sidney Lumet sort of cop thrillers, like Serpico and and stuff like that. So it's my favourite Nick Nolte film as well. So that's one which you may not have seen. Uh, you might not have even heard of it. I don't know. Have you? Have you seen it or heard of it? I've never seen it and I've never heard of it. No. Sort of smallish uh, thriller. You know, other than Nick Nolte being a big name in it, I don't think it was a huge film, but it's. I, I like gritty cop thrillers and stuff. Now, this next one I think you've seen and definitely heard of. It's from 1993. Brian De Palma directed it. Al Pacino, Sean Penn, Carlito's Way. You've definitely seen that one. I went to see this because it was Al Pacino re-teaming with the Scarface director, Brian De Palma, and I absolutely adore Scarface. That may get mentioned in December's list as well. Spoilers. But uh, Al Pacino plays a Puerto Rican gangster. I don't know how you would get away with that casting nowadays. Maybe you wouldn't. There'd be a bit of a Twitter outcry, but who cares? Uh, he gets out of prison. Sean Penn is his lawyer, gets him out of prison in, on a technicality. And it's it's the old story of I don't want to be a criminal anymore, but the criminals will not let you not be a criminal and they drag you back into this sort of crazy world. Such a good film. That's one I've probably seen like half a dozen times over the years. I did see it in the cinema when it came out. Absolutely loved it. Got a lot of 90s films, I think, coming up in these last few lists, I've noticed. So yeah. the, the next one, and this was one I wasn't sure whether I was going to put it in the top 100 because I like it, but I don't know... If I had to bump maybe one or two films off my list, I think this might be one that would get kicked out. But at the minute, it's here. It's from 1994, and it's uh, Kevin Smith's Clerks, which I do like it. I, I've not seen it for a while. I like it because, I don't know, it was just it was fresh at the time. And obviously I was working in a video store at the time, so to have sort of half the film set in a video store where one of the characters says everything that I would love to have said to customers just really, really appealed to me. But it, it's one that um, it, it's balancing on the edge of the top 100 list. If I did have to rank them, this would probably be like number 99 or 100 or something like that. But yeah, what's your take on Clerks? I'm guessing, meh, from what you mentioned. Yeah, it, it is pretty uh, much uh, a meh kind of film. It's, it's a dogma film, which hmm. doesn't do much. Like obviously, films don't always have to do a lot, but it, it needs to sort of like grip you. And it, for me, it just Did it felt like I was watching the royal family, like the TV program, yeah. the royal family. Yeah, like people loved it, but yeah, I didn't. What actually <laughs> happened in that? Program? Yeah. Nothing. Nothing happened in the royal family, um, and so I can't believe they got they did manage to do so many series with nothing. That's pretty much Clerks. Clerks just is that kind of nothing film. Yeah. It's a sort of, I mean, it probably was made that way, but it's like, hey, let's make a movie next weekend. All right, then. And obviously that's yeah. probably the way it was shot, but it just sort of took off at the time and, and whatnot. I, I do prefer, I think, Clerks 2. I think that's more, it's a better made film. It's in colour, which is good. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I am looking forward to watching Clerks 3, though, which is out on, I think, digital sometime in October. So I'll be watching that around that time. But yeah. I have a fondness for a lot of the Kevin Smith stuff, not the weird shit like Tusk. And uh, what's what's the one with Moose, Moose Antlers or whatever the frick that's called? I've, I've not watched that one. I think he needs to just lay off the pot when he's, uh, when he's writing scripts, I think. Is that that yoga hoses or something? Yeah, never watched that either. It's like I'm I'm good, thanks. If I'm watching a film about somebody gets turned into walrus, it's like no. Although Red State is great, and I do you like Red yeah, State? I'm guessing you would like that yes. one. That's a cracker. Yeah, uh, one, Michael Potts. Um, yes. He's really good in in Red State. Yeah, but yeah. Tusk. Um, I'm sure I read somewhere that he wants to make a sequel to it. Oh, don't bother. Tusk. No, he's not having my money for that one. <laughs> I got burned <laughs> <Yeah>. on Tusk <laughs> one. 
So the next film you've definitely seen, this, this was, oh God, I rented this from the video store in the late 80s, probably about 88, and you'll know why when, when I tell you it's a 1987 film. I watched it to death, Lethal Weapon by Richard Donner. God, I watched this film a lot. This was back in the day when you had a video collection in your house and you maybe had 10 films or 20 films at the most. So everything that you owned, you just watched to death. Nowadays, obviously, you've got every film that was pretty much ever made that you can track down within 10, 15 minutes. But back then, I do miss the sort of pile of VHSs on a shelf. But, uh, but yeah, Lethal Weapon I watched a hell of a lot. Cracking film. I still like Mel Gibson. You know, I can separate art from the artist. Um, so I've, I've not stopped watching Mel Gibson films. I, they, they are saying they're going to make another one. I don't know if they should bother. What, what do you think? Do you think you should carry on the Lethal Weapon series or just really. just leave it leave it where it is? Even 4 felt very, very tired. So. Yeah, it did. It did. And without Richard Donner, you know, just... But then again, I, I would have said don't do Top Gun Maverick because Tony Scott isn't around, but I enjoyed Top Gun Maverick. But we'll move along from Top Gun Maverick. Uh, otherwise, yeah. you know... Uh, the next one is from 1989, and this is a weird film. I don't think you will have seen this one. It's starring Christopher Walken, and it's called Communion. And it's written and lived by a guy called Whitley Strieber, who maintains and claims that over years he was abducted by the now infamous grey aliens. And this sort of film, it's not, it's not really in a narrative sort of way. It's just... It's like you jump into the middle of some sort of story. Christopher Walken plays Whitley Strieber, which is kind of odd because I've met Whitley Strieber and he does not look like Christopher Walken. So it's very strange casting. But it's, it's Whitley Strieber is an author and so he's busy trying to write his book. Uh, I think he's writing Wolfen actually in the movie. So he's writing that. And then it's very trippy and weird and there's lots of hallucinations and there's alien abduction scenes. It's a very weird, strange put together film but i've always been fascinated by ufos and and alien abductions and stuff so when i saw the cover for this in the video store i'm like i need to watch that film and i've just got a real fondness for it i don't know if it's a film i would say oh you've not seen it i definitely recommend it because it's an acquired taste i think but uh, but it's on my list so that kind of works uh, another one from 1989 which is getting a remake and the internet is a bit mad about it for some reason and it is uh, Patrick Swayze, Sam Elliott Roadhouse I love Roadhouse, yeah. Roadhouse is great it's a fun stupid popcorn movie uh, where Patrick Swayze plays Dalton who's a, a nightclub bouncer and he gets hired to clean up this horrible thing and he gets into the fights with local villains and he does sort of topless yoga in the mornings next to a river and it's just it's a bonkers movie and it's getting a remake with jake gyllenhaal and tyson fury weirdly enough yes. but you know and it, do you, what's your thought on remakes i mean do, you don't get do you get mad at remakes or do you just think oh well i don't need to watch it because i'll just stick to the original or what yeah you, you, that, that's the thing with remakes you'll always have the original mm. um it's never it's not the fact that the remake in the film and erasing the original from existence no it's just they're not doing that and so if you have a fondness to i think that's the thing with remakes as well if you have a fondness to the original then you're always going to all pretty much not like the remake <laughs> yeah instantly because, you're like i'm not going to like you even yeah. if it's really good you've already made your mind up on it and it's rare for a remake um, to be better than the original. It's just, it's a rarity. It does happen and it has happened um, where I found that the remake is actually better than the the original. You look at the, in my opinion, the classic three, which is a thing, which is obviously a least remake from the thing from another planet. Yeah. Uh, the fly, yeah. which the David Cronenberg fly is million times better than the original. And um, you look at uh, the crazies, because the, the original crazies is okay, but I've found the remake to be a lot better. I've not, um, seen, I've not seen the remake, but I've seen the original one. So I need to, definitely uh, need to watch check out the remake. remake. The remake is brutal and dark, and but definitely, definitely worth a watch. I really liked it. Timothy Oliphant is really good in it. Um, and also, you could probably saw in Day of the Dead in there as well. Um, and a few yeah. other films. But yeah, it's, remakes are normally just a bad thing, and so they always leave a bitter taste in your mouth. 
like I said, you've always got the original. Exactly. I mean, one of my favourite films of all time is Scarface, and that's a, a remake from a 1930s film. So, Yeah, look how many times um, uh, just A Star is Born has been remade. Yeah. Um, it's been remade five times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're all good. I, I like all the Star yeah. is Born. I think I've seen three of them. I've seen the Judy Garland, the Chris Christopherson, and, uh, and the Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga one. And they're all good. They're all sort of similar, but they're all kind of different as well. So that works. So, yeah. So I will watch Roadhouse, but I will probably prefer the original because the new one is not going to have the nostalgia that I've had from yeah. watching this Patrick Swayze one since 1989. So uh, next one, I'm going even further back in time. It's another Sydney, Sydney Lumet film, actually, 12 Angry Men, which I don't know if you've seen that one. Yes, I know that film, yep fantastic film it's it's effectively just 12 people round a table having a conversation really and it is fantastic remade by william friedkin in the 70s which i haven't seen the remake for quite a while but uh, i have seen the 1957 version a lot and it uh, it's about a court case somebody's accused of murder pretty much everybody other than one member of the jury thinks this kid's guilty and it is watching this one person try to persuade the other people, hang on a minute, maybe this guy's not guilty, have a think about it. I think it's such a simplistic film in on paper, but it's so clever when you realise that you're just pretty much watching people sitting around a table having a conversation. Very, yeah. very smart film. So that's there. That was very early on my list. When I was putting the list together, I think that would have been in the, at least the first 10, 15 titles that I put down. So there we go with that one. Uh, next one is from 1961, Whistle Down the Wind. Are you familiar with Whistle Down the Wind? I am, yes. Love that film. It is, it's, it's a really easy one to sort of pitch, isn't it? It's a bunch of kids that go into the barn and they find an escaped criminal. They, and they, start, they sort of get the impression that this escaped criminal is actually Jesus Christ himself. And so they hide yeah. him out and bring him food and, and give him kittens and stuff to look after. It's... It's such a sweet film. Uh, it's kind of like, it reminds me of the Railway Children in a similar sort of, if you like one, you'll like the other. Where it's, uh, yeah, I love Whistle Down the Wind. I think it's, I rewatched it on the projector probably a couple of months back because Annette had never seen it. I'm like, oh my God, you never watched that. And I love introducing films to people who have never seen those films because it's like I'm watching them for the first time again as well. So uh, she thoroughly enjoyed Whistle Down the Wind, and it must be at least 10, 15 times I've seen this film over the years. Yeah. So, But it's quite dark as well, though. It's, it is. You know, you're like, this is a nice, sweet, fun film, and then if you sort of think about it for a little while, you go, actually, it's really dark, this movie. Certainly in today's climate, kids finding a, somebody in a barn, you'd, you'd be following the police straight away, but good movie. Yeah. Uh, I clearly expect brilliant as as she always was as well. Yes, um, as a child actress, definitely. So this next one, I expect a little bit of flack for, but I don't care. It's 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 one of my favourite James Bond films, and it's A View to a Kill, which is sort of quite hailed as one of the least impressive Bond movies of the entire run. But uh, but it was a Duran Duran theme song, and I was a Duran Duran fan at a time in 1985. And uh, I like it. I think Roger Moore is a little bit past his sell-by date for doing crazy stunts and stuff in this movie. But you've got Grace Jones in there. You've got Christopher Walken as a Bond villain. What can you not love about that one? And uh, and a very, very early appearance by Dolph Lundgren, who says absolutely nothing whatsoever, and he's got, like, two scenes. But uh, but View to a Kill. Is that one of the Bond films you've watched? Because I know you're not a massive Bond yeah, fan. Seen, you've seen that one. See. I've seen every single Bond film. Okay. I know, despite the fact that I'm, I'm not a fan of the Bond series at all, yeah. um, you couldn't escape them. As a child, it was pretty much guaranteed to be shown at Easter, By at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you could never miss them. So that's how I, I have seen them all, um, because you, you just couldn't miss them. So I, I wouldn't have cared which Bond film you would have put on the list. I would have still went... I still yeah. don't like them. So, they, do, they just do not do anything for me at all. So now that you're not doing your review show, if a new Bond film came out next year, for example, would you go watch it or would you think, I'm all right, yeah. I, don't, I don't need to? 
you still you fair play to you. You don't like them, but you do give them a chance in the hope that one is. Is is there one that's come out that you that you do like? Which is your if you have to pick a most favourite Bond movie of the films you don't like? Which one would it be? Oh, for God's sakes! Or um, or, or does none do none of them spring to mind? You know what? I'm I'm going to be co- completely controversial, yeah. and I'm not doing this for being a troll or something <laughs> like this. Yeah. Um, it's just because this was the one that stuck out into me brain because it is the most insane one, and that's Moonraker. I love Moonraker. Yeah. Um, but it's controversial because a lot of people always trash it so oh. badly. But it is such a stupid film, Moonraker, that it sticks out in, in my brain. Because the prob- one of the big problems that I see about Bond is it has no clue on how to establish its tone. Mm. Like, one Bond film could be very serious, then the next Bond film is stupid, but it still uses the same Bond actor. Um, and then when it switches to a different Bond, it just like, for example, all of Daniel Craig's Bond films are so dull and dreary. Like there is no life to them whatsoever because him, there is no life yeah. to him because he's his version of Bond was written with with just absolutely zero charisma. Yeah, I was going to say uh, he's no no charisma at all as is as Daniel Craig in that role. No. Yeah. Whereas if you look at other um, actors who played Bond, the visor of Pierce Brosnan, for example, they gave him way too much charisma. Yeah. Um, I think the best Bond is still Sean Connery. Um, I think just because I was I was a fan of Sean Connery as well, and he's an actor that how can you hate Sean Connery? You, you just can't. Um, and so that that's ice how I could sort of like tolerate Sean Connery Bond films, but I will always give them a chance, like I always give Melissa McCarthy films a chance or something. <laughs> yeah, because there's always that point where you think, will it be good? And then I watch it and go, oh god, it's crap again. There is. I was never a fan of the Jim Carrey from the beginning, and then I just I watched the Truman Show, and it's amazing, and I love the Truman Show. So that was the example to me. I didn't like Ace Ventura. I wasn't a massive fan originally of of Dumb and Dumber, and I'm like, I just don't, I don't find Jim Carrey funny, or I didn't. And then I watched the Truman Show, and it was amazing. And now I've gone back and watched a lot of the other Jim Carrey films. I've kind of got used to the way he is. So I've accepted it because he's very jarring as Jim Carrey when you've never seen him before, and then you watch him, you're like, "All right, calm down." <laughs> he's he's yeah. definitely out there, but yeah, like you say, give him a chance. So hopefully they'll be having an amazing Bond movie. Maybe they'll remake Moonraker. I would watch that, but uh, possibly. So my final film is from 2006, and it is London to Brighton. Are you familiar with London to Brighton? Of course, from yourself. Yes, that's, yeah, I do keep banging on about that film quite a lot, don't I? I love it. It was one of those sort of blind buys. I just I looked at the cover, read the subject matter. I'm like, Jesus, that looks like a dark film. I'll watch that one. I just I loved it. And I think that was one of the films that was key to making me watch more British films than I did. It was one of a very small yeah. selection, and it was London to Brighton. And I followed the director's work, Paul Andrew Williams, ever since. And his latest film, Bull, is uh, is just out starring Neil Maskell and that is great as well. So, but London to Brighton, subject matter it's it's very dark. Uh, it is about a prostitute played played by Lorraine Stanley, who sort of encounters this young girl. I think she's maybe like twelve or thirteen, uh, played by Georgia Groom, and sort of rescues her from this crazy pimp who's trying to pimp her out, and they go on the run, and they're being chased by just horrible people and. It's not the sort of film you would you, you wouldn't take anybody on a date to watch it. I don't think it's not a, it's not a great yeah. date movie. But if you're in the mood for a super dark sort of grim film, then it is really really good. Uh, but I would check out pretty much anything that Paul Andrew Williams writes or directs. I'm a big fan of his work. So that is my top ten. So a bit of a mix, but but that's the whole point. So what have you watched? What would you recommend? So if people are stuck to for things to watch, we'll go through a recommendation or two because uh, this is a slightly shorter episode than normal because I'm doing back-to-back podcasts this evening so that I yeah. can take like two weeks off and, and go to Grimfest next week and watch loads of films that I've never heard of. So I do lots of interviews with people whose films I haven't yet watched. So it's going to be an experience and a half for me. But uh, But what have you watched and what would you recommend? Um, well, I, I've 
because this year and having no show is that the amount of films I've watched has sort of like diminished. Yep. So I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll take advantage of it in the month of October. And it sounds weird considering October has 31 days and I've chosen 30 films to watch in October just because everybody has their one traditional film they'll watch on Halloween. Yeah. And for me, it is always Trick or Treat. Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat. Yeah. I adore that film. Absolutely love that film. Um, so that, that is that. So I've been trying to get a list of films together to watch um, next month, the month of October. My caveat being, it has to be a film that came out or is coming out in 2022. It can't be from any other year. So it has to have come out. So I've obviously got a couple of films that are out in the month of October. You've got obviously Halloween Ends yeah. that's out, um, in a few weeks' time. Hellraiser is wow. out next Friday. Really? Okay. Yeah. But it has not got it hasn't officially been revealed that it, if it's going to Disney Plus because it's out on Hulu. <laughs> no, it's, isn't it strange? We live in a time where Hellraiser may be a Disney movie <laughs> or Disney show. It's it's crazy, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> so um it it's hasn't been announced if it's going on Disney Plus slash Star, uh, because it's getting released on Hulu in America. Um so if it's not, then I'll just take advantage of like a Hulu trial. I just yeah. use a VPN um, so because I really, really, really want to watch it. And the trailer dropped last week for Hellraiser, and it looks very creepy. It does. Um, yeah. So they look like they've got the tone right. So I've got Hellraiser on that. I've got VHS 99 mm-hmm. because I'm a bit of a fan of the VHS series. That's on Shudder. Um, Smile, which is out on Friday, which is getting mixed reviews, but still I'll watch that. Um, Pearl, which is yeah. the prequel to X. Um, which X is a really good film. That is on my list of films to watch. I've seen the trailer for Pearl. It looks amazing. Do you think, I'm, I'm guessing yes is probably the answer, but I'm better off watching X before Pearl. I mean, obviously Pearl's a, a prequel, but it probably makes more sense to watch X first, doesn't it? It is, yeah. Um, and then there's going to be a third one. There's right. a third one next year um, for it. Um, so he'll have, he'll have made three films in two years. In the same, um, it, it is part of the same series. Nice. So I know some films come out one year, one year, one year. He's doing two in one year and one next year. <laughs> Busy um, guy. Sort of like Bruce Willis. I know he's quit acting, but he had yeah. nine films this year, and two of the films that he released were sequels um, to a film that he did last year. So uh, <laughs> there's that, and there's Terrifier too. Um, if you've not seen Terrifier, um, it's on Now TV. Okay. Um, Terrifier, so on Sky. It's a stupid, shocky, very, very low budget um, horror film about a clown called Art the Clown. Uh, but if you're after something very shocky and brain dead, watch Terrifier. Now, it's just ha, a ha, silly film. Have you seen Terrifier or have you got it to watch? Because I got the screener link sent through for that. So I do have that one. Not Terrifier 2. I haven't right. seen Terrifier 2 yet. But I've seen Terrifier. Okay. Do you want me to, um, you want me to hook you up with Terrifier too? God, yes. Because it's on my right. list to watch. I will do that. <laughs> I will do that this evening. Then I'll do that before before half ten for you. I'll uh, I'll send you the link, and then when you when we sort of resume at the end of October to to do another show, then you can review Terrifier two on on this if uh, if you're okay for that. Um, and then Barbarian, which yes, I'm, I'm, I've got, it's got a UK release of the twentieth of October. Um, so I cannot wait for this film. It looks very creepy and weird. So there's all those. And then obviously throughout the year, I've been collecting a couple of films that I've not seen like 3000 years of longing. Um, surprisingly Beavis and Butthead do the universe. I actually quite really liked Beavis and Butthead do America. It's a funny film. Um, Nitram hatching. And there's an animated documentary on Netflix called Apollo 10 and a half, a space age childhood. (laughs) Okay. I really want to watch as well. So there's all of those. Uh, but again, because I haven't watched very much, and so all I'll just see it is there's two films that I've watched, Bodies, 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 yeah, which is sort of like a Scream-esque kind of film with a twist where it thinks it's twisty, but it's not very twisty at all. And you'll have saw my tweet yesterday or the other day for The Monsters. Yeah, because yeah. I, I I saw Rob Zombie tweet, oh, it's on Netflix, and I went onto the UK Netflix, and it wasn't on the UK Netflix. I'm like, what? Where is the monsters? Yeah, it has a, it's not got an official UK release. 
Right. Um, so it's not on the official UK um, Netflix, but again, um, using a VPN is not against the law. Nope. Because I st- I still pay for Netflix. Yep. So I just used the VPN to access it. So I watched on a freaking hell. Go is on. that some horrendous? I, 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 you mean bad horrendous? <laughs> uh, horrendous in every way, shape, or form. Just does not get the tone and understanding of what the mon- monsters is. Oops. It honestly doesn't get. There, there is nothing about this film that is worthy of to have the name of the monsters attached to it. There's just nothing. It has zero structure. There is no story to it whatsoever. It's just Herman meeting Lily. Um, Herman sells the um, the home, and that's how they move to Mockingbird Lane. Right. That, that's supposedly the origin of them moving to Mock, Mockingbird Lane. Um, and that, that's it, if you want a structured narrative to it. Honestly, everything <laughs> about the film, they get completely and utterly wrong. Apart from, because I always still give a score, and I give it a 2 out of 10. There is two slightly redeeming features. The first one, the guy who's playing Herman Munster, he does a laugh, which is very, very similar to Herman Munster from the TV series. Yeah. And to play the the theme tune for the Munsters, the player right at the end. So right. once the story is being wrapped up in huge massive air quotes, they do a black and white segment that's about 15 seconds long with the Munsters theme tune. That's it. That's your extra that's star, two, is it? That's one star. <laughs> so that's two out of 10 and that's it. It is my worst film of the year. And my God, it's going to take something absolutely oh, no. horrendous, probably one of the worst films that I've seen easily in the ten year, last 10 years for it to um, better that. So part, instead of giving you a film to recommend to watch, yeah. a film to avoid, do not, even out of curiosity, seek out The Monsters on Netflix because it is absolutely atrocious. I will save my hour and a half or however long it is and watch something else then. <laughs> Our own 37 minutes is on for but oh no god is that film horrendous it because right. as i said to you i'm doing my worst five and best five films of this year you have pretty much just revealed my worst film of the year because i don't think i'm going to watch something worse than the monsters so there's rec- a chance your recommendation of the week is don't watch the monsters <laughs> exactly well, that, the that works. of the year so what, what are you up to this evening anything exciting after this uh this show finishes Nope, um, just watching something on Twitch or, um, or the Terrifier got, too. No, but that's that's in your inbox, by the way. So yeah, I'm going to because it's on my list to watch in October, and obviously mm. we've still got um, one day left of September. We have Terrifier two. It'll be the first film I watch on Saturday, and um, because Saturday is the first of October, it is. So yep. it will be my first film to kick off the month of October, and I honestly cannot wait because you know what what I'm like when it comes to silly, schlocky horror films, yeah. um, very low-budget horror films. Um, it's the reason why I love, and I still think it's Danny Dyer's best film, Doghouse. Yeah. I love Doghouse. It's a great film. Doghouse yeah. is such a such a cheesy film, but I love it. And I also love Evil Aliens Yeah, from Jake, Jake West. West. Evil yeah. Aliens, it's got no budget, but my God, is that film so much fun. <laughs> um, so I've watched that quite a few times. Or, um, when you got me that day, uh, the DVD uh, signed by him that yep. he created the, the documentaries. Um, I, I was such a happy person just because I love evil aliens. Um, so I cannot wait for Terrify to cannot well, wait for it. If and when I do bump into Jake again, because we tend to bump into each other at film festivals and stuff, I will get him to sign an evil aliens for you and send that up because I have the DVD of that. So yeah, I adore that film. Such a genius little silly, stupid, stupid film, but it's oh god, it does work. But yeah, thank you very much for your top ten list, Stu. By the way, I've written them down, and then I'll go down and tell Annette what they are, and she'll probably want to watch some of them or has never heard of other ones. But uh, we're up to date. We're, we're, we've managed to do September, so that's Hooray. that is good. So we will resume probably at the end of October once I'm all grim fested out, and hopefully I'll have some recommendations and stuff from the the twenty one films that I might end up watching. Uh, in four yep. days at Grimfest, so um, but I will catch. We've got that little task in in the month of October as well, where it's three films in for children. Yes, 
and three films that are aimed for adults of Halloween. The caveat for the adults one, it can't be part of a mainstream franchise. Yep. It has to be three um, films that are slightly unknown, which, as I pointed out to you, which would make six films each for the three of us, which would make the numbers six, six, six. Yep, definitely. So I, I just thought that that was genius. So we could call it something like the six, six, six of horror or something like that, but I just thought it worked perfectly. Definitely. Well, my lights have just blinked out in my house, so I'm going to go down into the cellar and put the chip switch back on because I'm guessing that's what's happened. Um, but I will yeah. catch up with you soon, Stu. Same. And you enjoy enjoy your, enjoy your evening. Same with yourself there. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.